Hello, everybody. Welcome back. This week is Parshas Devarim, and we're going to be talking about the halachas of Tisha B'Av and preparing for Tisha B'Av. And uh, this will be the last conference call uh, for the next two weeks. Next week, which is Parshas Vaschanan, and the following week, which is Parshas Ekev, there won't be any conference call, and Amir Hashem will hopefully restart Parshas Re'e. So let's begin with preparing for Shabbos Chazayin. One can shower for Shabbos. Uh, ideally, one should not use hot water. It should um, tone down the water somewhat. It should be not bath temperature, lukewarm. Cutting nails is permitted, and shaving for women and waxing eyebrows are equivalent to cutting nails and can be done the covered Shabbos. Freshly laundered clothing can be worn for Shabbos. When preparing for Shabbos, you should try not to taste the food which contains meat, but if necessary, it can be tasted without swallowing. Children who usually eat before Shabbos and go to sleep can be given the Shabbos food, including meat, just like last week, because that's their Shabbos meal. It's permitted to polish shoes for Shabbos, and certainly it's always, it's always permitted to clean off dirt or to do a spot cleaning on any of your clothing. If a person has absolutely nothing left to wear for Shabbos, they can, uh, they can, you can give your clothing to a non-Jew to wash. New clothing should not be worn, even on Shabbos. This Shabbos, being that it's actually Tisha B'Av, marital relations are prohibited, but there are no harchakis, so only intimacy is not allowed. In contrast to Tisha B'Av, where on Tisha B'Av itself there are Harachakis at night. Um, by daytime on, on Tejavav, you don't have to observe Harachakis, but at nighttime on Tejavav, you should observe Harachakis as well. But on and Shabbos, even though marital relations are prohibited, uh, Harachakis are allowed. Meat and wine are allowed the whole the whole Shabbos, even by Shalashudas, up till Shkia. After Chatzais, on Shabbos, which is effectively Arab Tishabav, some of the Avdelis of Tishabav begins. And one shouldn't be taking walks and enjoying themselves in that way. But obviously, uh, if you're taking care of children, you can do whatever you have to do. You take them to the park or whatever it is you need to do. But just to take a stroll for your own enjoyment, that should be um, avoided once it becomes chatzais. Eating and drinking ends by shkia. But you can bench after shkia. So you can eat up till shkia and, and then bench afterwards. You don't remove shoes or sit on the floor, though, since it's Shabbos, until Tzeis HaKechavim, which is about 50, 45 or 50 minutes after uh, shkia, whatever you usually do. If someone is fasting, then no havdalah is done until Sunday night. However, the bracha on fire, is recited on Matzah Shabbos. Um, typically, it's done in shul, and that's where the men are yaitzei barimareish. If a husband can, he could make it for his wife before he goes to shul and himself as well. So that's an option. Uh, but if not, then every woman can make barimareish herself and should do that on Matzah Shabbos. If you don't make it Matzah Shabbos, you can't do it anymore Sunday morning. So Matzah Shabbos is the time to do it. If someone is not fasting they nevertheless should try to fast at night because that's generally easy to do and not break the fast until Sunday morning. Before someone eats, regardless, they would need to make Havdalah. 
when you make Havdalah on a Sunday, then only Bereh Pri Hagafen and Hamavdil are recited. And this can be done on wine or grape juice or on coffee, which is cool enough that you can drink or review as quickly. If you are making it on wine or grape juice, then don't drink more than about two, two and a half ounces because it's not necessary to drink more. And, um, and that's, that's how you would do Havdalah. So some, some people say it's a dear to, better to make it on beer. If that's something that you drink, you can do that. Or if coffee is an option, if coffee is a little questionable. But if that's the only thing that you want to drink, you can drink coffee. But otherwise, you can make it on, um, on uh, wine and grape juice. Just drink the minimal amount necessary and uh, make a better pig often and hamavdol. On Tishubav, pregnant women don't need to fast. Nursing women don't need to fast as Tishubav. Uh, like I said before, everybody should try to fast at night and only break their fast during the day. It's a nice thing, being that it's Tishabav, it's not a regular tinus. You can fast a little bit in the morning if it works for you, um, and this way you can participate in the fast in that way, and eventually you don't have to go to a and eventually you, you can break your fast. But it's good to have some kind of connection to the fast of, um, of Tishabav. If someone is sick in any way, they don't have to fast either, and Again, all, all specific questions you should ask, uh, ask a rub, ask myself, and we can try to clarify exactly what your status is. Some pais can permit saying to Hillam after chatzos if a person says every day. All other forms of Torah learning is avoided on Tishabav, other than the kind of things you're allowed to learn on Tishabav, which is like Echa or books about Tishabav, about the concepts, and etc. All washing is prohibited on Tishabav, and washing hands is only allowed up from the knuckles. If someone's hands get dirty, like when changing a baby, they can wash off the dirty part and they can use the minimum amount of soap as necessary. Washing dishes is permitted after chatzais, although your hands may get wet. Cooking and all food preparation should also only be done after chatzais, regardless if you're fasting or not. Leather shoes are prohibited but sneakers, which are primarily made out of synthetics with some strips of leather for, decor- leather for decorative purposes, that's allowed. So if the le- leather is only decoration, that's okay. One does not greet a friend on Tisha B'Av by saying shalom or saying good morning. Uh, you, just, that's just not, you just don't do that on Tisha B'Av. Gifts should not be given on Tisha B'Av as well. If you are fasting, then by Mincha, there's two additions to Shema Nasrei. There's Nachim, that's in, in uh, Yerushalayim Mircha, and Aneinu, which is in Shema Chileinu, only if you're fasting. But if you, if you forgot them, they can be added in Shema Chileinu, but after that, basically, you can't. Um, and, but you don't repeat Shema Nasrei. Masay Tishabav this year is different than every other year because it's a nidcha, and therefore you can wash clothing, you can take showers, you can do everything other than eat meat, drink wine, and listen to music. But those three things, eating meat, drinking wine, listening to music, become permissible immediately sun, um, uh, Monday morning. But at night, you can already start laundry and all the other things. Those are allowed. This week is Parashas Devarim, and I want to speak a little bit about the connection between Parashas Devarim and Kinnis. And I also wanted to go through a little bit of the Kinnis if um, you're able to find time, it's ideal to say some of them, and I'll try to explain some of the content of some of the kinnis. When we say kinnis, we are mourning. And we're, we're mourning the Beis HaMikdash. And another thing we're doing, you'll 
to know, you may notice throughout the kinnis is we're giving ourselves musr to a large degree in many of the kinnis where we're berating ourselves for what we've done. So let's start with the morning. What is the point of mourning? So the point of mourning is to treasure what we've lost, to appreciate it, to never forget it. When Loyaleno, a person, mourns a loved relative, they're cherishing the memory of that person and recognizing the loss and utilizing that period of mourning to try and solidify in their mind who the person was, what did they stand for, and what does that person's memory mean to them. When we mourn the Kharb Mesemikdash, we're doing all of those. We're treasuring what we have lost. We're trying to appreciate it and to demonstrate that we have not forgotten it. We use this time of year to solidify in our minds what the Beis HaMikdash really was. What did it mean to live with Hashem Shechina actively in our presence in, in a real and palpable way? When we mourn a person, we talk about them. We try to create a picture with words to describe what that person was. We do this with stories and memories. We reminisce about the person's sayings, what kind of things were important to them, and how they related to us. Can we do this about the Beis HaMikdash? We can do it somewhat. Some of the kinnis actually try to do that. They try to describe the Mishmaras of the Kehanim, all the different groups of Kehanim that there were. They try to describe a little bit of what the Beis HaMikdash looked like and how beautiful it was and how our Tisral was beautiful and what it meant when all the Shavatim and everybody lived there. We definitely do make an effort to try to recreate a picture in our minds of what it looked like. But nevertheless, when we're talking about the physical base of Mikdash, it's difficult. It was a long time ago, and we have nothing to compare it to. We don't really have a picture in our mind. We don't really have memory. We don't have any personal stories that we experience. We have Messiah stories in the Gemara, and those are precious, but not the same. But what we do mourn, and we can feel, is our connection with Hashem in an open way. After all, when a person dies, they don't really disappear forever. It's just for the time being, while we're down here and they're up there. Eventually, we are all reunited one way or another, and that doesn't make us feel any better. Why not? Because we don't have them now, and we want them now. With Hashem, it's the same thing. Hashem exists. He's, he's all around, but He doesn't openly display Himself. He doesn't openly show us affection. He doesn't communicate with us directly through Nevi'im anymore. Effectively, He's hidden. He's in Shemayim. And we mourn that greatly. Our relationship with Hashem is something we, we have, and we, ha- we understand it. We also have an idea of how much darkness prevails in our life, how much confusion and questions there are as a result of Hashem hiding. We know how much suffering there is in the world with the people closest to us all around as a result of Hashem's distance. And that's what we mourn. We mourn that Hashem is not right here. We mourn that we don't have more of a connection with Him. We mourn that, that we just don't have Him anymore. And that we can think about, and that we can talk about, and that we can reminisce. And that's also mentioned many times in the Kinnis in very different ways, all the different times over history, where Klai Yisrael had such a wonderful and beautiful relationship with HaKadosh Baruch the Nisim he did with us, the ways he displayed himself openly, the way he demonstrated his love in an open way. And that was like having someone alive, someone real, right next to us. And now we don't have that anymore. He's in Shemaim, effectively, like someone who passed away is in Shemaim. They're, 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 they're around, but they're not here. 
We know they're around, but we don't see it. We don't experience it. And in the case of our relationship with Hashem, that has a very, very real ramification. And that's what we mourn. We also give ourselves Musr. We berate ourselves for not being better. But when giving ourselves Musr, we have to understand something. In this week's parasha, parasha Tzvar, Moshe Rabbeinu begins addressing Kali Yisrael for the final time. And in a multi-parasha exposition, he goes through many of their sins. He gives them Musr. But the Ramban here says an interesting thing. He explains that when Moshe gives them Musr, he starts off reminding them of how much mercy, how much patience Hashem had with them, how much kindness he showered upon them, even while they were sinning. He says Moshe was warning them to learn from their mistakes and not repeat them because the punishment could get worse. But in the same breath, Moshe Rabbeinu is mechazik them and tells them that even should they make a mistake and sin once again, Hashem is all merciful. Hashem forgives and overlooks for the purpose of helping people continue and grow in Avedis Hashem. As it says, Ki imcha You should fear Hashem. Meaning, even when we get Musr or we give ourselves Musr, as we're doing in the Kinnis, we first remember how merciful Hashem has been in the past. And we do that in the Kinnis. We speak about that. And we muster ourselves just so we don't repeat our mistakes. Remind ourselves where we have to be careful. And once again, we strengthen ourselves that even if we should fail, Hashem will still love us and show mercy and have patience. And this is so important for mustering oneself because there are two big impediments to doing tshuva. The belief that we can't successfully change and that Hashem will lose, lose patience with us. The belief that we're so entrenched that it doesn't make a difference anymore. We don't believe in ourselves. We think ourselves bad. But we don't believe that Hashem will have mercy on someone like us. He won't have patience anymore. In other words, we just don't see ourselves as redeemable, one way or another. So if we give ourselves Musr, it's only in this context. See how Hashem has so much hope in you. See how many times Hashem showers you with kindness and patiently awaits you to find your way because you can. And we have to use that as a motivation to learn from our mistakes and improve. And that's what we're doing in the Kinnis. Even as we're giving ourselves Musa, we contrast that with all the times Hashem had patience and had showed us kindness and try to understand that that's what He's doing here too. And that will be our motivation to change and to stay clear of making mistakes again. If you do want to say Kenneth, I suggest the following. Um, 7, 19, 21, 26, 31, and 45. That's six Kenneth in total. 7, 19, 21, 26, 31, and 45. 45 is the final one. So let's, let's examine these briefly. Kinnah number seven is one which lists out the amazing qualities and chusim that Kala Yisrael has and contrasts it to the destruction and punishment that befell us, wondering how is it that these chusim weren't sufficient to protect us? It begins, Eicha atztoh be'apecha. How did you so quickly in your anger agree to destroy in the hands of the Romans your faithful servants. You did remember the Brisbane Abbasarim when you 
clarified with Abraham Avinu, your servant, what is, is his future is, what's intended for him, what's intended for Kali Yisrael. And we finish, Zuchar Hashem Mehayilon, remember Hashem what we had, which we mean, remember the Zuchusim we had, and remember the punishment we had already. And here too, this is meant for us. It's meant for us to remember who we are, and who we could be, to encourage us to strive for that once again. The kind of goes through many of Klai Yisrael's milas, the way we followed Hashem into the Midbar, the way we would go up to the base of Miktash every Yantiv, the way we were in the Kabbalah of the Taira, and each one contrasts it to where we are now. It's inspiring and saddening, and it brings to the forefront how great we are and can be, and how much was taken from us. Kinna number 19 follows the theme of Tirik Adin, where we accept Hashem's judgment of us, which means in light of all we know of what Hashem does from us, all the kindness that He showers upon us, all the love He displays for us, we understand judgment is only to make us better, is only to help us, is only because the good is so good is that it's worth suffering for it. It all is worth it in the end. And that is the key to tshuva. The key is to realize that whatever happens is worthwhile because we have so much to gain. We have so much to gain by changing, so much to gain by getting better and recognizing what our mistakes are. Each stanza in this kind of brings out another tremendous chesed Hashem did from us, for us, I'm sorry, and how we failed him. And it's a very important theme, again, to recognize our mistake and realize that we can correct it. We can change. Kina number 21 is a very well-known kina. It's a story of the Asara Haruge Malchus, the ten Sadikim that were killed by the Romans. And we say it on Tishabav because the death of Sadikim is worth worse than the destruction of the Isamiktash, meaning in a real sense. It, it, it makes the destruction more real. It brings us lower. Every time a Tariq passes, another piece of our reality passes away. They had a standard. They held us up to a standard. They prevented our uh, becoming worse and worse, um, falling in, in Ruchnius, and they prevented the generation from falling in Ruchnius. And therefore, each passing of every tzaddik is a form of carbon based amikdash. Kina 26 is based on a medrash that describes Yirmiyah Navi, who was the Navi that witnessed the carbon of the first base amikdash, went to the Kavaram of the others in Hebron and tried to get them to daven to Hashem to take the Jews out of Gullus. And each one of the others cites his particular schos and life work on behalf of Kali Yisrael and a Shem counters with a sin that Klai Yisrael committed until Rachel davens to Hashem and the Kinnah concludes with Hashem promising to take us out of Galus. Kinnah 31 is a very famous Kinnah. In the Sam Kihilis, they have a very specific, distinct, distinctive melody that they said this Kinnah with. The Kinnah alternates between Yetzirah's Mitzrayim, B'tseisim Mitzrayim, and the Harbin, B'tseisim Yerushalayim. And the point of this kin is the same thing again. It's coming to show us how, what it was, what it meant when we had a Kaddish Baruch Hu close to us, open relationship with us, and what it means when we don't. So we can mourn that, we can treasure it, and we can wish we had it back. And the last kin of, kin of 45 is said, in Shul it's said responsively in a specific tune, which is a tune used by the Chazan Davening Musaf on Yantav as well. And it's a very touching kin. It compares us to a woman who had lost her husband, and wishes him back. And this concludes the kinnis.
wishing everybody an easy fast and a meaningful fast and meaningful kinnis and morning the harbin of the Beis Hamikdash. And everybody have a good night and a wonderful Shabbos.